I mentioned to you last week that I may take a break from the book of Daniel and move to something else. And the Lord has been dealing with me about what I'm going to preach over the next four weeks. And uh, so today I'm going to change and do a new series about the priority of love. And as I get ready to do that, we're going to go ahead and dismiss the children today. And uh, I'm so thankful for our children's ministry. I'm going to save my text for a little bit uh, later in uh, the sermon. I'm going to do my introduction first today, which is unusual for me. But So with that said, God bless you. You can go ahead and be seated. How many of you like to get new things? Anybody like to get new things? A few of you. A few of you are not sure what the question was, but that's okay. We'll, get, we'll all get caught up together. When kids get toys at Christmas time or birthdays or whenever they happen to get toys, one of the things you will notice is about two days into their new toy, they're already kind of tired of their new toy. They're looking for something else new, or maybe they go back to their old toy, and they, they're like, well, I, I like this better. Anybody had kids like that? Was anybody a kid like that? that? You wanted something new, then you get it, and then it doesn't take long till the newness wears off, and you're back to the old. It's nothing like getting a new car, and just, man, you just love that, you take care of it, then it gets a scratch, and then, you know, whatever, it doesn't even matter. Now, not everybody does that. I'm more like that. Get a new vehicle, or at least new to me, and then once, you know, once the newness wears off, it's like, yeah, we'll wash it eventually. It's going to rain in three days from now. Why wash it? Because it's going to rain and get dirty again. Or, and so you just don't take care of it the same way as when it was new. Now, my weakness is not new toys or not new cars, but new gadgets. I, I love gadgets. I like to get new phones. I got an amen from the sound booth back there. I I love to get new phones and new smart watches now. And then it gets a scratch on the screen and it's like, eh, well, now I'll wear it no matter what I'm doing. I could be out painting or doing construction and I've got this smart watch and it just gets more and more uh, messed up. Nothing like those old Timex watches that take a licking and keep on ticking. The smart watches get a little scratched up and don't look quite the same and but when the, the newness wears off, we, we look at things differently. We, we look at them through a different lens and a different perspective. It is, of course, the, the same way with relationships. When you're in a relationship and everything is new, you're just all tuned in to what's going on and everything is lovey-dovey and, and it really doesn't matter The flaws in the person that you have these feelings of love for, it doesn't really matter. You can overlook all of their flaws. But after a while, those feelings of love may change and and you're not quite as enamored and not quite as uh, love blind. You're not quite as love struck and so now you see the flaws and you don't have those same feelings anymore. This is a common thing in our World, the, the righteous brothers sang a song that uh, 
many of you would know is from another generation, but it's you've lost that loving feeling. Anybody familiar with that song? And the reality is they're singing a song that, that makes a whole lot of sense, and it is the experience of us as humans is that we sometimes can lose that loving feeling. We can lose the, the feelings of love that we have. We say love all the time. We, we love pizza. We love this. We love that. And because we love everything, the reality is that the, the word love has been watered down and it doesn't mean a whole lot in our culture. Love is defined as either a noun or a verb and it can be used in a, a variety of ways in either of those cases. But at its essence, love is a profoundly tender, passionate affection for one another. It is a profoundly tender, passionate affection for one another. But, if we're not careful, we can lose that loving feeling. As, as the Righteous Brothers said, if I can find the first phrase, you never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips, and there's no tenderness like before in your fingertips, and I won't go through the rest of the song, but it changes when the feelings are gone or the feelings change, our reactions are different. Our actions are different. So am I talking about love? I want to take your attention to Revelation chapter 2. Before I do that, though, understand this, that, that love is a choice. That when the feelings are not there, we choose to love. In fact, the Bible uses the word agape for that love that is a choice it uses other forms of the word love filio which is a an affection or brotherly love and eros which is more of a, a sensual or sexual love but ultimately love is a choice and it is that choice that we have when the feelings are gone and choosing to love is good but choosing to love and having feelings of love is better. Imagine telling your spouse, I'm choosing to stay in this relationship with you, but I don't really have any feelings for you. That probably would not go over very well. Your spouse may prefer that you stay. But your, your spouse would prefer that you stay with feelings. That you have loving feelings for him or her. Marriage experts have long counseled struggling couples that, and they would say this, when you fall out of love, do the things you did when you first fell in love, and it will regenerate those feelings of love. Now this is not a sermon on human relationships and so I'm not going to take it any further than that but I would tell you that there is a spiritual parallel to losing that loving feeling when we first come to God many times and, and for most people at least when they first come to God they can't get enough of him they pray, they read their Bibles, they go to church every time the doors are open. They tell people about Jesus all of the time. But over time, that changes. 
They, they don't read their Bible quite as much as they used to, and they don't pray quite as much as they used to, and going to church is not as much of a big deal as it used to be, and sharing the gospel with someone is, well, it's, if it comes up, maybe. But most people, when they're new Christians, and when, they, when they've come into this relationship with Jesus Christ, and they're, they've come out, especially the more sin that they, He has brought them out of, the more grateful they are. The Bible tells us that, that he who is forgiven much loves much. And so when you come out of some great sin, you have this great love for God. But you can forget at times from where he has brought you from and you lose those feelings of love. Sure, you're still committed to him. You're not turning your back on Jesus. You're not saying, well, I, I don't want anything to do with you. But our actions change because our feelings change. So we sing about love and we talk about love and I love God and I love you, Jesus. And if we're not careful, it just becomes words we say. It's just what you say when you're talking to Jesus. I love you, Jesus. If I could use another relationship example... I almost never leave my wife's presence, leave the house, get off the phone without saying I love you. And I think I mean it all the time. But just like when, some, when you meet somebody or you see somebody and they're like, hey man, how's it going? That question is just a greeting. You don't really want to know. Because if they start telling you, you'd be like, you know what, I, I got, let me go talk to somebody else over here. I gotta... So in the same way, I can just say I love you, and it's just really, I'm just saying goodbye. That there's nothing behind it. If we're not careful, we can do that with God, and we can say I love you, and we're just using words. It's what we're supposed to say. For many, it appears that they choose to stay with God, but they really have no feelings for Him. The Bible addresses this issue in Revelation chapter 2. If you get it ready, John is on the Isle of Patmos. He's on the island. He has been put there as part of his punishment and while he is on the island of Patmos, he gets a vision from God. And, and, and God tells him, he says, in essence, really, and, and people debate whether it's two sections or three sections, but at minimum, the, the book of Revelation is in two sections. It is the things that are, and it is the things that will be. And in the section of the things that are in the book of Revelation that, that God gives him, there is letters that he is ultimately addressing the seven churches of Asia Minor. Chapter 2 gives us the first of the seven letters. It's a brief letter. But it says this, To the angel, or to the messenger of the church in Ephesus, write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. 
I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have reverence and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I'm going to preach to you for a little bit longer on this idea that we are to love God first or loving God first. There are some positive commendations that that God gives to the church at Ephesus. He tells them all of the good things that they are doing. He says, I know your works and I, I know your labor and I know your patience. And I know that you cannot bear evil. You don't like evil men and you don't like what they do. And thou hast tried them, which says, he said, they are apostles and are not. So when people say that they are apostles, you check it out. You work it out and you decide if they really are apostles based on what the Bible says. And he said, for many of them, you have found them to be liars. If I could pause here and say... That just like in the first century, there were many who claimed to be men of God or women of God and they didn't line up with the Scripture. Jesus said to John, as he writes this to the church at Ephesus, you searched them out, you tried them, and they said they were apostles, but you found them to be liars. I'll just tell you this, and I don't want to get too much on my sermon for next week, but understand this, there are a lot of people who claim to be Christian. And there are a lot of people who claim to be men or women of God, but if they don't line up with the Scripture, the Bible says they're liars. Oh, can I get a better amen than that? It is important that we follow the Scripture. And I'll preach about loving truth next week. He says, you have borne and has patience, and my, for my name's sake you've labored and you haven't fainted. You continue to do all of this. Then he jumps down and he says, you also hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. But there is a negative issue that is sandwiched between the positives and that's not a bad practice, put all the positive stuff on the Outside, it's called the sandwich method. Let me tell you all the great things, and then I'm going to tell you some negative stuff, and then I'm going to tell you some more good things. That works with churches, and it works with people. But the negative issue that he says is this, is you have left your first love. You continue to do all of these wonderful things, and you love truth, but you have left your first love. And he says that there are three things that will help you get it back. To remember, to repent, and to redo. 
I want to dig into those a little bit. And so the first thing is this, is that we must return to our first love by remembering what we were at the beginning. You see on verse, in verse 5, that first clause, verse 5a, remember from where you have fallen. And ultimately what Jesus is telling John and he's telling the church at Ephesus is this. It's that there was a time when you were really in love with me. Remember what it was like when you had all of this stuff and when you had, if I could say it this way, you had these feelings of love for me. But somewhere along the way you lost those feelings of love for me and you continue to do the good stuff. You continue to do certain things. You're continuing to labor and you're continuing to hate false doctrine and you're continuing to to love the truth, but somewhere in the process you have left your first love. Now maybe it was different for you than it was for me. And and for many of you, I, I was there when you received the gift of the Holy Ghost personally praying for some of you. And everybody is different into how they receive the infilling of the Spirit. Not in what happens of the evidence of speaking in tongues, but the other manifestations and the level of excitement or joy. Some people dance and shout, some people people do a number of different things. I was 11 years old when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And interestingly enough, that Saturday night when I was at church at special services, the guy was up preaching on end time stuff. Maybe a little bit like what we're seeing now. And I was scared to death And just knew that if Jesus came back, I wasn't going. And I had sought the Holy Ghost to be filled with the Holy Spirit numerous times in my childhood. But that night, it was a 30-second deal. When Anna Lockhart asked me if I wanted to receive the Holy Spirit, I said yes. She laid hands on me, and 30 seconds later, I was speaking in other tongues, just like the book of Acts. And I I didn't just sit down and go, yeah, that's cool. But I went around telling everybody. My father was on the platform as assistant pastor, and I ran up on the platform and told my dad what happened, and told the pastor what happened, and told everybody what happened. I was excited about receiving the Spirit. But it didn't take long for that excitement to wear off and that enthusiasm to wear off. And it was just an experience in the past. But we should remember what it was like when God filled us with His Spirit. And if that hasn't happened for you, I would tell you He wants it much more than you do. That He wants to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit much more than you Well, we should remember that we were delivered from sin and death to life. And that God has put us on a path to heaven. 
and the glorious future that we have with Him. Remember where we were brought from and remember where we are going. Many times new converts don't care what they look like when they worship. They get all crazy. Most of you haven't seen that. But sometimes they get all crazy in their excitement and exuberance over what God has done. Excited to pray and excited to do Bible study and excited to tell people about Jesus. And if I could use one more illustration before I move to the next point, and that is this. The guy was... He and his wife were driving along. And they were behind a pickup truck. It's back in the day when pickup trucks had bench seats. I don't know that they even make a pickup truck with bench seats anymore. This couple is driving along. They've been married for quite a while. They're behind this pickup truck. This guy's driving. His girl sitting right next to him on the bench seat. And the lady who's in the passenger seat of the car behind the truck says, Oh, honey, look at that couple up there. And she said, And we used to do that. We used to sit next to each other when we were driving down the road. He said, honey, why don't we do that anymore? And the man sitting behind the steering wheel driving says, I'm not the one who moved. And if I could tell you that if you had more enthusiasm and excitement when you first came to know Jesus and you don't have that same love and you don't have those same feelings, he's not the one who moved. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The second thing that Jesus says that they are to do is that they return to their first love by repenting. And I won't dwell on this long because I I preached a message on repentance last week, but understand that repentance is not just saying you're sorry. Repentance is not just asking for forgiveness, but repentance is changing your direction and changing your actions and changing your motives and changing your allegiance. And so to repent for walking away from Jesus, repent as it were from being the one who slid to the other side of the car, change and move close to Him. And that we should repent of our sins of commission. The things that we do that are wrong, we should repent of those and turn from those. But we should also repent of the things that we should be doing that we don't do. Repenting for allowing our love to fade. And repenting for allowing our work for God to replace our relationship with God. And as a minister, I would tell you this, is that there is a danger for me in doing stuff for God instead of doing stuff with God. 
that I can try to do it in my own power, my own ability, and I'm going through the motions. I, I've got all the labor and I've got all the good deeds that the church in Ephesus had, but understand this, that anything outside of my relationship with God doesn't really count. Oh, and I think I just got a witness. All we need right now is a train to come by. And I'll start preaching on hell. <laughs> it is not what we do for God that matters. But it is what we do with God that matters. Matthew West, I believe, is the actual writer of the song. But we, gotta, we must get back to the heart of worship where it's all about Him. It's not about going through the motions. It's not just about coming to church. It's not about clapping or singing. It's not about having a good time. But it's got to be all about Jesus. Thirdly, we must return to our first love by doing the things we did at the beginning. I would tell you this because I'm pretty familiar with most of the people in this room. But what I, I'm going to say here as I'm speaking in, in generalities. But as I said many times, when people come to God, they pray all the time and they read their Bible all the time and they tell people about Jesus all the time. If that was you, are you still doing those things? Are you still spending time in prayer? Are you still spending time daily in the Word of God? Are you still excited to tell people about what Jesus has done in your life and what He can do in theirs? If those things were not part of your early walk with Jesus, then I would encourage you today to do those things. Because doing those things will cause you to love Him more. That if you did it in the beginning and you stopped, those feelings of love have probably faded. Yeah, you're still committed to Jesus. You're still here. You're still serving Him. But He has to be first. You have to love God first. When my wife and I first started dating, we could talk for hours about anything, about everything, or about nothing. Anybody been there? In your relationship? Okay, just me. That's fine. 
Anybody awake out there to hear the question? I see you're looking at me. We would talk for hours on end. And I'm not suggesting that we have that kind of time to talk for hours on end every day like we did then. But it was so pitiful. In that young love, we'd be on the phone. Back before cell phones and texting and all. I mean, they had mobile phones back then, but it was like nobody had them. And if you had them, it was a big bag you carried around in your car or something. Probably seen those on some TV shows. Most of you never... Many of you have never seen those in your life in, in person. We would talk on the phone to the wee hours of the morning and we would argue about who's going to hang up first. I don't want to hang up. You hang up. No, you hang up. And then somebody would be like, are you still there? Are you there? No, they're not there anymore. Kind of silly. But it's those feelings of love. And I would tell you, that's the way that you and I should be with Jesus. I don't want to stop praying, Lord. I don't want to stop talking to you. But I have work, or I have this, I've got to do, I've got other things that I have to do. Lord, I hope you understand. That I don't want to stop singing and and I don't want to stop worshiping. I would like to just keep doing it. But have other things. Leonard Ravenhill, I've quoted, used this quote before. He said this, if you want to be on fire for God, spend at least 15 minutes a day talking to God in prayer. Spend at least 15 minutes a day letting God talk to you through His Word. And spend at least 15 minutes a day talking to someone else about God in evangelism. Walking with God is not all about feelings. Just like in our human relationships, there are probably ups and downs. But we don't want to be like the church in Ephesus where we do a lot of things right. But he has one thing against us, and that is that we have left our first love. so easy to go through the motions just to do what is expected
but I don't want to go through the motions and I don't want to do what is just expected. I want to serve Him because I love Him. Not just because serving Him will keep me from hell, but I want to serve Him because I love Him. The Bible says that we love Him because He first loved us. Jesus Christ went to the cross to die in our place. To pay the penalty for your sin and for mine. The verse that everybody knows, even if they're not a Christian, it seems, is for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We love Him because He loved us. Then He went to the cross so you and I didn't have to die. And I've told you this before. If I could say it again, it's that every sin will be paid for. Every sin. There are no sins that don't get paid for. The only question is who's paying for your sin? That if you follow Jesus Christ and if you're born again of water and spirit, you're serving Him, then Jesus paid for your sin. But for those who choose not to serve Him, those who choose not to follow Him, they will pay for their own. The payment for that sin, the Bible tells us, is death. So what more could I give to Him but to love Him with all that I am? Because he paid the penalty for my sin. In Luke 10, a lawyer comes to Jesus to put him, the Bible says, to the test. He says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. The command of Scripture is for us to love God, with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, that doesn't leave anything else out. That our emotions and our affections and our will and our thoughts and our physical body, that everything that we are, we are to love Him. 
It's not the first time that God has said that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, referred to as the Shema, because that is the first word of Deuteronomy 6, 4. This passage is referred to like that. In case you're not sure what I just said, it's a Hebrew word, S-C-H-E-M-A. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Jesus just repeats that. When asked, how does the law read? How do you see it? The guy, the lawyer said, this is what I see. It is the crux of all of the law to love God with everything that we are. Would you stand together? I'm going to tell one more story. In 2021 in Olathe, this may sound a little crazy to you, but early to mid-1980s in Louisiana, it's probably a little crazy then, but there was a full-service gas station in Walker, Louisiana, where we lived, and we would go to get gas at this same place all the time. It's a Texaco station. We don't have Texaco this far, this far north, I don't guess, at least not in the state of Missouri or Kansas. There was a guy who was the attendant who was, he was always pumping gas and filling up the tank one day for my dad. And my dad's sitting in the, in the vehicle, and all of a sudden car started bouncing and Doug the attendant he's at the back of the car and he's jumping and bouncing the car as much as he can and my dad was like Doug what are you doing he said I'm trying to get all of the fuel in that I can trying to make sure there's no air bubbles get it all in well, it wasn't too long that Doug started coming to church. Doug repented of his sins and was baptized in the name of Jesus. and He was filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Doug would be on the front row. jumping up and down every service. Doug, what are you doing? Trying to get all of Jesus I can. Trying to get as much of Him as I can. I would tell you that that should be our attitude. He said we want everything of Him that we can get. Because we love Him. And He doesn't just want us to do the actions and do the things that are required. He said to Old Testament Israel, He said, you're doing the right things, but your heart is far from Me. Doing the right things doesn't get the job done, but loving Him makes you do the right things. Anybody want to love Him?
today. Would you lift your hands where you are? Would you just talk to the Lord for a minute? Jesus, we love you. God, we don't want that praise to be just something we say. We don't want it to just be part of the ritual. We don't want it to be just part of the vocabulary of being a Christian. Lord, but we want to mean it with everything in our being. We want to mean it from our heart today. We want to mean it in the way in which we live. We want to mean it and love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength.